You are listening to Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. I'm Bree. And this is Wade. <laughs> We're going to talk about some gnarly shit. Some gnarly, gnarly shit. Because mine is a... It's multiple cases. I didn't do, like, short dives, but I kind of did, like, I don't know. Uh, just wait. <laughs> I don't just really wait. know where I'm going with any of this at all right now. Well, I'm excited to hear. What are we going to be talking about today? Drugs. So many drugs. And crimes. That and were crimes? influenced by the drugs. Drug crimes. Drug crimes. Crimes drug out of drugs. fueled crimes. There you go. Fueled drug crimes. Yep. So... Phetamines. <laughs> I mean, you are from Fresno. Oh. <laughs> I mean, all the tweakers now are in Shaver, so. That's true. I'm going to give you that. And Aubrey. Yeah. They're all over the map. A lot of people aren't going to know what the fuck we're talking about. But fuck them. Tweakers are everywhere. Tweakers! Tweakers They're like everywhere. the zombies. zombies. <laughs> it's like Walking Dead, but Walking Tweakers. Exactly. Welcome to California. So, I had a pretty lazy weekend. Wade did quite a bit of running around this weekend, but I kind of just hung out with my friend Anissa and relaxed and celebrated the full moon in Friday the 13th on the same day, which was fucking crazy and awesome. And Wade adulted. He did adult. He got his hair cut. What? Oh, he looks so clean and fresh. I feel how clean and fresh <laughs> that eucalyptus soap. We are staying at a place called The Pines in Grass Valley, which is where we're working right now. And it is the cutest thing, and the man that owns it is the cutest thing, and he's so nice. And he let us take the piggy. The piggy's sleeping in the bedroom in her bed right now. Yay, the pig. Why don't you love the pig? I love the pig, but we're here working. I feel bad for her. All that pig does is sleep. Okay, so we just brought her to another place to sleep. Yeah, so I can love on her and give her attention. You ain't doing that right now. She's <laughs> she's sleeping. She's been sleeping since four. Yeah, I wish I could have a pig's life. I wish I could have my pig's life. I wish I had a life. Touche. Alright, I'm going to go ahead and get into my background because I saw a little bit... It's 9 o'clock at night. No, I saw a little bit of your notes, and you have background, too. So I, was I don't really get started. have background. I have background on what my case is about um, and what I feel drug-induced crimes should be about. Interesting. I don't really know mm-hmm. what that means, but okay. Could you be a little bit more excited? We're going to talk about some crazy, interesting shit. I am shit. excited, but you have, like, eight pages of I really don't. I told you I didn't stuff. take very many notes this time, and I told you to take more notes. And I did take more notes, I think. I don't know what I did. I just got totally wrapped into something and ran with it, so that's what we're doing. All right, well, I will start my background, which is crazy interesting. Researching this kind of blew my mind. I loved learning all about how I fried my fucking brain cells in high school, so that was great. Um, so when it comes down to it, drugs are chemicals. There's a few different ways that drugs make their way into the body. Of course, you got your smoking, you got your snorting, you got your inhaling, you got your fumes, you got your eating or your swallowing, and of course, you got your injecting. But when you're smoking, typically you're inhaling. Well, when I said inhaling, I more meant like huffing and then smoking. I was thinking like smoking. Inhaling is through the nose, so unless you're like shoving the pipe in your nostril. Snorting's through the nose too then. Yeah, but that's like snorting a powder. Inhaling is like inhaling a fume. There! Fact of the matter is, you can get that shit in your body a lot of ways, no? Okay, sure. That's what I was getting at. These chemicals tap into the brain's neurological pathways, which is how the brain communicates. They tamper with the way nerve cells normally send, receive, and process information. Drugs also have different chemical makeups, which affects the brain, well, differently. Drugs can overstimulate the reward system in the brain. Cocaine and ecstasy. I'm looking at you. Or a hell of a drug. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. 
They can also imitate the brain's communication within itself. Hello, PCP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can... Um, Oh, that's the same note. I was about to say the same note over and over again. Look at me. Look at you. So, back in the day, scientists were under the assumption that the dopamine dopamine rush from drugs alone caused the euphoria. So, we all know that a lot of drugs just kind of tap into that reward center and just dump all those crazy good feelings in your brain. And scientists initially thought that was the only thing that kind of stimulated addiction and kept people taking these drugs. They know now it's a culmination of that as well as a couple other factors, which, of course, I'm going to talk about. For instance, pot and cocaine, as well as nicotine, take complete control of the reward circuit within the brain. This reward circuit is a part of the limbic system within the brain. Drugs cause this system to quite literally dump all the dopamine and give you a feeling of euphoria. Or feeling good, you know, that reward for doing something. This system normally responds to healthy, pleasurable activities and dumps smaller amounts of that happy chemical in your brain. This exchange within the brain teaches us to repeat those activities so we can continue to reap the same result over and over again. When you throw drugs into the mix, your brain starts by dumping that dopamine to get you hooked, but it also teaches the brain to repeat the act. So the brain grabs onto other cues, such as being around people you normally use drugs with or being in an environment or a place that you frequently use drugs at. It's basically the devil in the back of your head nudging you, going, fucking do it. You know, it feels good. You know, you want to do it. The brain remembers the feeling of the high and sends out motivation to seek out and use the drug again and again and again. So to break it down simply, it's not really the dopamine that causes the rush of feelings. It rather reinforces the desire for continual use. It's your reward. So does that make sense? Kind of. It's, yeah. yeah. So that high you get is like the reward for seeking out the activity. So your brain is actually teaching you to seek out that activity over and over again. So after continual use, once you get to that point of addiction because the dopamine receptors are being continually stimulated by an outside source it gets lazy and it stops doing it on its own and i know this is a really bad metaphor but you know when you wash your hair every day so your scalp like over simulates the amount of oil you get and then if you stop washing your hair every single day your scalp releases like less oil because it doesn't have to i don't know because I don't wash my hair every day and I don't pay attention to that every day. But I do have a question. What? Does, is there any part of your research that you did that states you could use that drug one time and your brain will misfire like that all the time? Or does it have to be a continuous use of a drug and then eventually your brain gets into that routine and wants it and then starts pushing out that you know, that want and makes you be creative on how you figure out ways to get high. I think that it can go either way. I think that some people can do a drug one time and, you know, be fine and not fall into an addiction. I also think it could be a culmination of where you're staying, the friends you hang out with, how often it's around you. If you did do it one time, it could very easily snowball from that one time. So now... Think of it this way, what if you're a young kid like 10 or 12 and you're prescribed certain drugs and you use them every day and it kind of just became a, a, a thing and then you got rid of those prescription drugs, Do you, would your brain or would your body seek out another or a substitute for that drug? Well, I can only talk from experience, but I was kind of a, I don't know what to call it. When I was young, they didn't know what the fuck was wrong with me. They and they figured out it was fibromyalgia at a certain point, but I was on a bunch of medication at one point that I immediately like took myself off of. I didn't wean myself down or taper. And it wasn't that personally I wanted to go out and seek anything else, but being without that medication... When I did do that, 
made me feel like shit, which if I would have been in a situation where there was something that could have taken that away, yeah, I probably would have taken advantage of it. So again, I think it's, I think it can depend, but you can be addicted to a pharmaceutical medication just like you can be addicted to cocaine or, you know, anything. Okay. That's what I think. I don't know what you think. Well, I'll talk about what I think when I get to my story. Okay. Drugs can eventually lead to dramatic shifts in your neurons and brain circuits. These changes can stay long after the use is stopped. So it essentially rewires your brain in a way. Yeah. It really does. Um, Do you mind if I go first this week? I don't care. Okay. So for me, my story is pretty short. It's only a couple of pages. I did my story this week on the scum of the earth, Mr. Dale Nelson. Ever heard of him? Well, he's a piece of fucking shit. You ready to... Ready to learn? Sure. Teach me about a piece of fucking shit. I will learn you about a piece of shit. This asshat was born on March 19th, 1939. He worked as a logger in Creston, British British Columbia. He did have a family and was married with three children. I did see multiple sources state that he did physically abuse his wife and he was the aggressive type and did physically assault her on a regular basis. Dale was also known to become, well, crazy after indulging in his favorite, LSD and booze, which, like, me too, but... How do you get crazy on LSD? Oh, you will see. I think that a lot of this was mental illness, because every time I want to take acid, I just want to, like, sit on the carpet and rub the floor and listen to really good music, so I don't know how. All I want to do is lay on the bed and rub my belly. Right now? Mm-hmm. And after you take LSD? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I would want to rub my belly. Maybe I'd want to rub your belly. That would feel me. <laughs> I bet it would. Um, it's accepted that Dale's mental illness, coupled with his substance abuse, likely fueled the spree that we will get into right now. On September 4th, 1970, Dale drove into Creston to the liquor store and purchased a bottle of vodka and a six-pack. He then drove to the Kootenay Hotel Tavern to drink with friends. Witnesses say he had eight beers, seemed totally cool and normal, and did not act unusual in any way. After that, he swung by his friend's house, Maureen McKay, to pick up his 7mm bolt-action rifle that he had loaned her. From there, he drove back into Creston to pick up 7mm ammunition for the rifle, as well as, you guessed it, more booze. Which, so far, like, man after my own heart, but... That will soon change. What? I guess not, man, after my own heart. He drinks vodka. And shoots a 7mm rifle. True. That's true. I mean, we don't own a rifle, period. So. Because we wouldn't buy a 7mm rifle. So. We wouldn't. He still has a rifle. But we don't your have words, a rifle. not mine, so. I will continue. Alright. Buys the shitty ammunition for the shitty fucking rifle. Still a man after her heart. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) This guy had a busy night. He then drove to the bar at King George Hotel, where he drank six more beers and headed to a friend's room for more drinks around 10.30 p.m. So he was... He was getting shitty. He was pretty drunk. Just after midnight, he left the hotel room party to a distant relative's residence, Shirley Wasick. Um, knowing her husband, Alex, would be away from the home at this time. I'd like to also note that it is widely accepted that Dale dropped some acid this evening as well. Which, like I said before, he did some really, really fucked up shit. I think more of this was mental illness than it was acid, but I can see how somebody who has spiraling mental illness issues who then pours a ton of booze on top of it, as well as drops a bunch of acid. Probably not the best idea in the entire world. Uh, Anyway, strap in. This shit is pretty horrific. He entered the home 
and beat Shirley with a fucking fire extinguisher for no reason. Just drove over to a distant relative's house and just beat her with a fire extinguisher. He tied Shirley's hands behind her back and left her on her bed. He then grabbed two of the three children that lived in the home, Charlene, age 8, and Tracy, age 7, and brought them to Tracy's room. The third child, Debbie, age 12, saw all of this happening, heard everything that happened with her mom, and she silently crept into her mother's room to untie her hands. She grabbed the fire extinguisher and crept back into her room. She took cover until she heard Tracy's scream and Dale approaching her door. This badass little girl then had the wherewithal to throw the fire extinguisher she took from her mom's house or mom's room through her window, hopped out of the window, and ran to the neighbor who happened to be Maureen McKay, the lady that he had gotten the gun oh, back yeah. from. Yeah. And she immediately called the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, or as I will affectionately refer to them throughout the story, Mounties. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> the Mounties arrived on the scene, noting Dale's truck parked at the home. Shirley had passed away from the injuries she sustained from the beating, and Tracy also passed away from multiple stab wounds that she sustained from Dale as well. For whatever reason, he had let Charlene free into the woods, and she had escaped. The officers then hightailed it to the Nelson residence um, and evacuated his three children and wife, fearing that they would become the next victims, which, like, fair enough. The Mounties then returned to the murder scene. Quote, unquote, they were stunned to realize Dale had still been on the scene upon their initial arrival and had driven away with Tracy's body in their absence. Oh, my God. Canada. Oh, oh Canada. Canada. You really need to secure your crime scenes. I guess they just literally drove away and left no one. And he was like, hee, 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 and like loaded this small child's body into his car and drove off. Well, wasn't it the mom and Tracy? No, it was just Tracy. Just Tracy's body? Yeah. Just Tracy's body oh, was okay. gone. He left Shirley. A short time later, a residence a few miles down the road. Actually, it said a few kilometers down the road. And I was like, I don't know how much that is. So I'm going to go ahead and say miles. How long's a kilometer? Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I can't, I don't remember. Is it like three miles or four? Oh my god, I'm going to sound like such an idiot. I'm not even going to comment. How long is a kilometer? Few kilometers was the actual statement. <laughs> Alright, so a residence close-ish, I don't know, there's no way to know, in some vicinity <laughs> of the no area. Way to know. There is no way to know. They got a police call from that residence. And it was a woman reporting a man with a gun. This was reported by Isabel Amond. By the time officers arrive, Isabel's husband, Ray Phipps, and their three sons, Paul, age 10, Brian, age 7, and Roy, 18 months old, were all shot in the head. They had also had an 8-year-old daughter named Kathy who was missing. They launched a manhunt on September 5th and located Dale's truck in a ditch that same day on September 5th, and he had just, like, left it. I thought he took off in Shirley's car. No, he took off in his truck. Oh, uh, okay. So his truck was still at the crime scene when the police initially showed up. Mm -hmm. They didn't see he was still at the crime scene. Left, and then he grabbed her body, threw it in his truck, and left the crime scene. Gotcha. Found that truck in a ditch. Upon searching the vehicle, they discovered a bloody hammer and little Tracy's dismembered remains scattered around the surrounding area. So he just, like, ripped her apart and, like, scattered her. Which is really unfortunate. Like, they already found her body. I don't yeah. really understand why. Yeah. On September 6th, the following day, they located Nelson in a shack in the woods near his home. He voluntarily surrendered to police. Upon questioning, he told officers that 8-year-old Kathy was indeed dead, so that was the girl that was missing from the second 911 call. Yeah. Um, and he pointed out the location of her remains on a map. Which, I mean, that's the least you can do. He also admitted to the additional seven murders aside from Kathy. 
Naturally, he was put on trial for the eight murders. During this trial, a few horrific details of the crime did emerge. He had sodomized young Kathy before murdering her, adding just an extra layer layer of nasty and horrificness to the crime, and that he tore out Tracy's organs and had attempted to eat them when he dismembered her body, but couldn't bring himself to do so. Oh my god. Yeah, it's really bad. Nelson was found guilty of all eight murders on or in March 1971, despite a plea of insanity, and was sentenced to life in prison. The following year, a reporter from the Vancouver Sun, who had followed and reported on Dale's trial, published the book called The Limits of Sanity about the case, so go check that out if you feel so inclined or are interested in this case specifically. In one final act of karma... Dale Nelson died of throat cancer in February of 1999 in prison. Oh, my God. Right? That's insane. Just the fact that he, like, stole the body after and just went on that crazy spree and all from just being drunk and on some acid. Yeah. I mean, that's not all the reason, obviously, but that's my case. Good old Dale. Good job, Dale. Way to go. No, not way to go. Well, uh, being facetious but okay anyways um like i was talking about earlier my case is kind of different from where brie went she found a case that was really about a guy got really fucked up and acted all crazy just kind of snapped mine is i really want to know the connection in between like how you determine somebody acted involuntary or somebody just acted on the thoughts they had because they weren't sober anymore well what's the definition of acting involuntarily like we all have control over our actions so what i had found out was that there's there are some states that say that if you're taking prescription drugs and you act like out of your own accord like not accord but like you act funny or you commit a crime and you blame that crime on the fact that you're taking these sleeping pills or these antidepressants like the ambient yep okay uh, shit like that they're saying that you know we'll take into consider that uh, or into consideration that but we're determining how you conducted the crime, what your thought was, and then, yes, what kind of drugs they were. So they're not looking at the fact of what the drug panel is, like what chemical makeup it is, anything. They're looking to see if there's side effects of crazy acts or, you know, blackouts or, you know, short-term memory loss or whatever to where you're going to act crazy. Do you really think that's a viable excuse, though? Because I think that's bullshit. I do, too, but that's why I want to figure out and I want to bring awareness to that. And I think, see if, like, hey, let's determine this exactly because our laws are written to state, you know, you're intoxicated, so your crime is intoxicated manslaughter. It's, it's fucking manslaughter. Your dumbass got drunk, hopped in the fucking car, and hit the I've, fucking biker. You're drunk. I've never heard of intoxicated manslaughter. Okay, as a no, it's not a charge, but you get they what take I'm it fucking into a Yeah, you get what saying. I'm saying. Okay. I didn't. I thought you were oh, saying that was actually no, a charge. Uh, nope, no, no, no. Intoxicated manslaughter is just. It, I, that's just manslaughter. I think it depends on the court system, and the only reason i think that would make a difference is if mental illness was already at play because if your levels are already that thrown off in your brain and then you add another chemical in that is throwing off those levels even more yeah but you are still control in control of your own body and mind and actions but what if you're a young kid below 18 when you're not mature your brain hasn't fully matured either and you're put on Prozac. Oh, no. See what I'm saying? If your brain isn't fully matured... Did you matured, do an active shooter? I did a lot. Anyways. Oh, God. So, what I'm labeling my case is called Under the Influence. And I kind of just covered over, like, alcohol versus drugs, consent versus... Why is alcohol intent. not a drug? Huh? Well, they have different, different chemical makeup, so it's going to... They're going to be different, like alcohol is a stimulant, so 
You'll either be depressed or very angry. It's still a drug. In it's still a drug, yeah, they but all have alcohol. Different exactly. Makers. So what they're doing is just classifying alcohol differently than what they're going to classify. Because alcohol's legal. Probably. That's why. Probably. I'm sure it is. And Anyways, everybody likes it. I I had found a case that this is what I was going to do my case on was uh, a case in Canada in 2011. A judge found a 16-year-old boy who had stabbed his friend to death <gasps> while he was on, or in a Prozac-induced mood disorder with manic features. What? So a little background on Prozac. It's also known as, help me out with this, fluoxetine? fluoxetine? Yes, perfect. Fluoxetine. Fluoxetine. A very popular selective serotonin. Reuptake inhibitor SSRI. Thank you, an antidepressant. That is, uh, the the Prozac is pretty much covered in a lot of my cases. There's like two that aren't, but it's something similar. Uh, antidote. Yeah. I was on Prozac when I was in high school, and I was put on a few different SSRI drugs. And I don't know if it's just like my brain chemistry doesn't work well with those drugs, but everyone I tried gave me really bad side effects. But Prozac specifically, I never got like angry or outbursts or anything like that, but like that drug made me 10 times more depressed than I was mm -hmm. initially when I started taking it. So it does fuck with you. Sorry. Proceed. But Prozac is linked to aggression. There's a lot is of cases it? that are linked to aggression with Prozac being the... Cost. Like that, that chemical specifically. Yeah, a lot of people that don't have any prior violence in their background or anything like that just snapped and went aggressive. Oh, I love that, that you went this way with it, though. So, okay. uh, back to the case. Uh, the judge considered the boy had no previous history of violence, so the, uh, the judge concluded the murder would not have occurred if... Not for the drug. Uh. The kid was 16, and their the defense pretty much pretty much put it in place, saying that the Prozac induced mood disorder with manic features is what caused him to just snap and stab his friend to death. I'm just gonna say I don't fucking agree with that. I don't agree with it, but at the same time, do we have a lot of scientific research stating that? Prozac did not have a fucking impact on this kid's mood swings. If he wasn't on uh, an SSRI, would he fucking even... killed someone? Like he just gets a pat on the wrist because he was on Prozac, and he said that's what caught you. Still fucking killed someone. I don't know. And there's another one in Australia. Man argued an anti-obesity drug played a part in his acts of targeting young girls on the internet. The man claimed that Duramine, the drug he had been taking, reduced his ability to control his impulses. Excuse me, what the fuck is an anti-obesity drug? What does that even mean? Is that Adderall? No, it, it's pretty much fucking hydroxycut, like a weight loss pill. So that's not even a pharmaceutical, that's something he bought at a fucking GNC or some shit. Yeah, he got, he, he got, he went to prison. But he better have gone at the to same prison. time, that's where I'm going with it. Like the kid was 16, he was on SSRIs. Did he really need to okay, be on SSRIs? This guy is just taking more testosterone than he's used to, and he's <laughs> fucking it. taking advantage of young girls. Fuck this motherfucker. But you're not fucking following along with what I'm trying to get at here. I am. I'm just this saying. This dumb motherfucker obviously is trying to abuse the system, stating that you know this. I'm fat and I try to take these <laughs> fucking weight loss pills and I got I'm caught fat for being and nobody a wants to see my penis so I'm gonna make them look at my penis okay see and there you go with that fucking wine talk again getting all drunk getting all crazy oh you haven't but been drunk I, I don't excuse any of these people for their violence or moral you know whatever you want to call it compass yeah moral acts they're yeah. You know, these are these, some of these individuals are victims. Some of them aren't. They were fully capable of committing criminal acts, and maybe they weren't because maybe the drugs that they were on induced them to do it. Maybe I don't know, but it was kind of an interesting read. And then, <laughs> Cheap liquor equals intoxication and crime <laughs> is your next <laughs> sentence. 
<laughs> that Mad Dog 2020 got you doing some fucked up shit. Hell yeah. Alcohol and drugs. Way of crime. Got to get rid of all of them. I mean, if we're getting rid of guns, we might as well get rid of alcohol too, right? I fucking hate you. <laughs> Anyways, cheap liquor does equal intoxication <laughs> and crime. Particularly, just, just cheap liquor, though, not that fancy scotch. No, 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 no. If it's a, if it's over fifty dollars a bottle, you're fine. You're not gonna oh have. Goodness. You're not gonna be in a crime. <laughs> so we're gonna commit a whole lot of crime. <laughs> <laughs> JD is not that expensive. Well, what and I it's was not scotch what either. I was trying to get at with that was more or less that you know if you're drinking cheap liquor, you're. You're a prob- Yeah, and you're <laughs> probably gonna be getting in trouble with some violent crimes. I mean, yeah. Most of the time. But, uh, like, uh, for a long, long time, like, when we were growing up, there, they all talked about drinking, or, you know, drinking and driving, and peer pressure on drinking, and getting intoxicated, and being all crazy. Antidote. What? Sorry. I went to D.A.R.E. camp when I was oh in middle school. Or when I was in elementary school. No, just listen, it's really funny. I was in, like, fourth grade, and I went to... An elementary school where there was only three other kids in my class, so I didn't have that much competition, but they had, like, an essay writing competition, and whoever won got to go to this super fancy dare camp. So I <laughs> sat outside with my dad while he smoked a joint, and he wrote the dare essay for me. Guess what bitch got to go to dare camp? This bitch did. It was actually a lot of fun. Probably because you're the only one that wrote more than four sentences. Guess what I did at dare camp? Smoked so much weed. In fourth grade? So much weed, yes. Wow. I did. Wow. Anyways. Uh, uh, (laughs) Okay. So, alcohol versus drugs. For the past few decades, drugs have come to compete with alcohol for associations with crimes, or however you want to say that. No, that's right. Yeah. Uh. The rules for determining criminal responsibility have accommodated drugs, largely by analog with alcohol, meaning that, you know, you're taking, you're drinking alcohol and then you're fucking snorting some coke, smoking some weed, doing some meth, doing some heroin, which actually I don't really, I... Drinking and heroin, that was never a thing I witnessed. No, plus, if you're really doing heroin, I don't really see you committing a violent crime. You can't get off the couch. Exactly. But I don't know. Some people are crazy. Some people are... Well, they're... I mean, a lot of people are fucking crazy. True. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, what I'm trying to get at is there is that competition in between alcohol and drugs and then you know they pretty much wrote rules to accommodate that you know if you're drinking you're probably doing drugs so they kind of hold the same whoa yeah if you're drinking you're probably doing drugs for the most part is what they're trying to state if you're like that writ- fucked up that you're doing shit yeah like but that. they also writ the rule writ <laughs> they writ the rule they writ the rules <laughs> stating that you know if you drank whiskey that night it's the same thing as doing cocaine now if you drank vodka that's the same thing as smoking a little bit of a joint i might as well do some cocaine then yeah exactly so <laughs> the rules are written that way you know hey i was drunk now i just smoked a little bit of weed okay well the penalty's the same if i smoke some weed all i want to do is hug you anyways <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> anyways there's been a recent rise in intoxication by prescription Mm. or legal drugs taking these types of drugs is not illegal behavior they are prescribed to you you're taking them you know without abusing them either quote unquote so indeed the person who takes prescription or over-the-counter medication seems to be doing the right thing right no exactly because some people actually don't do the fucking pharmacist most people don't they don't, but fucking it, let me talk. Okay. God damn it. They don't fucking do the council session with the pharmacist so they can tell you what the fuck to do, you know, drink it with fucking milk or have a full glass. <laughs> drink it with milk. <laughs> Take it with milk. Have fucking yogurt. Drink your Oxycontin with milk. Yeah, what the time. fuck ever. All that shit. So I don't do consultations, do you? I mean, if it's a new drug, yeah. Oh, yeah, if it's a new one, I guess, If it's yeah. fucking Vicodin, no, obviously I'm just going to get itchy and throw it up, so no, no one's going to give me Vicodin. 
like shit like that. No, I know certain things, but if they're going to give me Prozac, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need a consultation because if I fuck this up, obviously I'm going to go murder Bree. Fair enough. Fair enough. We don't want, nobody wants that. Nobody wants dead Bree. <laughs> no one likes that. You might want dead Bree. Sometimes I do. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, in terms of like causes of the crime, this has a lot of factors in it, such as like in inequality, poverty, unemployment, all that influences crime rates. Beyond that, I did find some studies showing alcohol abuse is more dangerous and costly than consuming illegal drugs. What? Yeah, and they are actually more like they're when you misuse them, misuse prescription drugs or illegal drugs are actually it's actually like you get more fucked up than you drink. How do you feel about that statement? Uh I honestly feel it's 50-50 because I used to do some drugs and I didn't like drinking. So I did those drugs because all my friends were drinking. Oh, I liked and I, all of it. I, I did do, but I'm trying to stay away from that topic of my life. When both of them were mixed together, shit got really real. Well, that's like, what I'm saying. Really, yeah. really fucking real. But when I wasn't drinking and I was just doing drugs, I was cool. That's true. And then when and I wasn't doing drugs and I was just drinking, I was fine. But mm, when they got... Not always. I've had more instances where, like, compared to me just being fucked up off illegal drugs or just being super fucked up off alcohol, I think I would be more adept to do something stupid when I was super drunk than when I was super, like high on Adderall or whatever the fuck I was doing when I was in high school. See, I was the opposite. I got into a lot of fights, but that was... I did that on both ends of the fence. Or both sides of the fence. I would just run away. No fighting for this girl. Have you seen me? No. You've never seen me? No, I've never met you in my life. Okay. Well, for those of you who have not actually seen me, I'm very small. This bitch does not fight. She runs away. (laughs) FYI. I can run pretty fast. So... With that being said, they talked about how, you know, certain crimes hold a different penalty because, you know, you're on legal drugs or, uh, you know, misusing alcohol or abusing certain drugs. Okay. So when they are determining, you know, if the drug actually did play a factor in the crime, the violent crime... They actually look for intent or intoxication, meaning that, you know, were you taking your drugs as they are prescribed, or did you abuse them and get intoxicated to where you were over the limit of what you need to be taking daily, hence why you fucking went all apeshit crazy. And do they do that from blood testing, or? The, a little bit of both. Blood testing, they check, you know, see how many times you filled your fucking... Yeah, well, but they can this, check like how much, like yeah, if you're quantity. Too much. They said that dosage and like stuff like that didn't have an effect on it, but I don't think that's accurate because the only way sense? the only way you could clearly prove intent or intoxication is to see if the person was abusing the drugs or not. You know yeah, I mean? like if I get a full bottle of Vicodin and yeah. one person takes it as they should, and one person takes. 20 of them all at once or whatever and they both do a blood test that's gonna be different yeah well yeah that's what i'm saying it but i was what i was trying to say was how they were determining or what they were telling me that they were determining an offer was like dosage and milligrams that didn't have a play in it like not necessarily saying the chemical makeup of the drug doesn't have a i don't know <laughs> okay I, I, well i feel like I, you're looking at me like I'm a fucking idiot right now. I wasn't even looking at you. You're not an idiot. Oh. I'm interested. Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> While intoxication is technically labeled like a defense, like what you can, you know... The defen- like insanity. Exactly. It is not an excuse for the crime. Rather, intoxication is theoretically evidence that the accused can raise to cast doubt on the... Uh, prosecutor's claims stating that he or she committed the crime such as killing somebody with a clear mental state or as their you know or was their intentions to actually do that and they're just blaming it on the two medicine. words two words what? diminished responsibility 
that's pretty much what they're trying to say is what they can do yep. with intoxication. So, like, I did it. Obviously, you guys know I did it, but it wasn't 100% my fault. But the craziest thing is, is 2019, so when the accused raises intoxication in response to, like, criminal charges, the court then becomes interested in its effects on him or her, measured in terms of, like, her ability to commit the criminal act or sometimes the control of their conduct so like they want to know like what does this shit actually do it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it does matter but you shouldn't get away from the real reason response if you are taking your pharmaceuticals as you're prescribed unless it's ssri antidepressants that kind of thing i can understand why that can be different but anything else you're not going to go kill somebody yeah i mean yeah drugs do have effect or drugs do affect people in different ways and the nature of these effects may be subject to like expert scientific and medical evidence during the trial fancy and that's only to determine responsibility okay meaning that the clinical profile of the drug and the quantity consumed does not decide the legal outcome just how bad of a sentence not necessarily how bad but Stating that, you know, they can't really use the profile of the drug and the quantity consumed to state, you know, he was super fucked up, so we have to give him 12 years. You know what I'm saying? So They're saying just because he was fucked up on this drug doesn't mean that his, you know, he was intoxicated and his intent wasn't to murder him. Obviously, the intent was to murder him. Okay. Now what they could say is... So then why does it fucking matter? I guess it has to do with proving that you know this it was like planned out beforehand or not okay i can or to make sure that yeah this person isn't actually suffering from mental health and we're failing him you know what i mean because if somebody was reaching out and reaching out and just trying to get help and using their drugs correctly and stuff like that and then snapped obviously the judge can't be like oh well we're sorry you didn't get help but uh yeah you still killed this motherfucker so you're you're done. You're done. Generally speaking, though, if you're reaching out for help to the right people, you're getting help. Anyways. What? No, that's true. If you're trying is, to get help. My point is, is they can't. They're basically saying that's not an excuse. Exactly. Okay. That's pretty much it. And uh, what matters is the way that the drug was consumed. Meaning that. Was it consumed correctly or was it an abuse? Okay. Is where they're going at. That Meaning makes that, sense. You know, the quantity, the consumption isn't going to hold against the accused, but how they used it and why they used it and what that drug really will do to you when you abuse it. Okay. Meaning that if it was a prescription drug, you had the fucking pharmacist consult... And you knew, like, hey, there's a side effect that you are going to kill somebody if you abuse this drug. And then you go and abuse this drug and you kill somebody. Then they're like, you were told that you were going to kill somebody if you abused it. So there could be some nausea. There could be some (laughs) loss of appetite. Homicidal thoughts. Suicidal thoughts when realistically it's just about homicidal thoughts. NBD. Yeah. So... Criminal law treats voluntary and self-induced intoxications differently from involuntary intoxications. What does that mean? Meaning that voluntary, obviously, I think is going to be more or less like your... Me drinking this wine. Exactly. (laughs) And then self-induced, obviously, means that you were looking to get fucked up. Involuntary, or no, yeah, involuntary would be being forced to get drunk. Or being get... forced to take the pill. Like a roofie. Okay, I guess forced but you can't a... kill somebody if you take a roofie. Like, how can that be an argument in the real world? Well, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'm assuming that, like, maybe because you got fucked up and you're at a party and you say, no, I was slip something, oh, yeah, okay. blah, blah, then it'd be involuntary. But at the same time, you were still the one that committed the crime. Yes, you got slipped some sort of drug that might have had an effect on you, but you still went out, picked up that bottle of fucking wine, 
broke it open and stabbed that girl five different times. Like, Jesus. We're already at 45 minutes, so I don't want to make it any longer, but really quick. I did know of a couple where one person got sober, the other person didn't. That person wanted the person to take drugs with them, slipped them drugs into the food that they were given, other person ate it, got super intoxicated, obviously was very angry about that and beat the shit out of the other person. So, like, that would be an example. Yeah. And then... States such as uh, Victoria taking prescription drugs or drugs available from pharmacists in is classed states as such as in Victoria, Canada. Oh, okay. Uh, involuntary. God damn it! Is, Sorry. So drugs <laughs> or drugs available from pharmacists are classed as involuntary intoxication. So I had that mixed up. Involuntary is prescription drugs. Self-induced is abuse, and then, no. That doesn't make any sense. That does make sense. So it's basically saying it's involuntary because it was given to them by a doctor whom they trust and a pharmacist, yes. and they took it not looking to get fucked up. If it's self-induced, you're out taking illegal drugs or out getting drunk, right? No, that would be voluntary. Yeah, voluntary. That's what I'm saying. That's voluntary. Involuntary is getting prescribed something and trusting your doctor okay. and taking it and it fucking Okay, you up. that makes more sense. There yeah. we go. So I didn't I didn't have them flip. <laughs> you were right. The law accommodates those who commit offenses when under the influence of prescription drugs as something of a sleight of hand. Sup such compensation wow. Such consumption is in effect deemed involuntary because there it's prescribed go. by a doctor. Exactly. Uh, but it's a little bit difficult to make this argument in the United States, particularly. In one case, the accused had claimed he didn't intend to kill his wife. He intentionally claimed the sleeping pills caused psychosis, but the fa but in the face of evidence that what is this dioxylamine? Do doxylamine. Doxylamine does not cause uh, why psychosis. This claim was abandoned during trial. So this is that one, the Browning, Alan Browning case oh, about he was the on Ambien. Ambien. Yeah. yeah, and he killed his wife, and he pretty much in court said that, you know, well, the Ambien, the sleeping pills, you know, made me do it, and then said specifically that the pill caused psychosis. And they're like, yeah, no, there's no side effect of Kaisos. I have literally watched a friend get high off of Ambien and eat a banana with the peel on. Yeah. So I kind of believe that a little bit. So when I was doing a lot of my research, like, I'm just going to do this, say, talk about this one case. And this was Jose Reyes, and he was on a generic Prozac called Fluoxetine. And in October of... Uh, October 21st, 2013, 12-year-old Reyes opened fire at Sparks Middle School, killing a teacher and wounding two classmates before committing suicide. The wow. investigation revealed that he had been seen a psychiatrist and had a generic version of Prozac in his system at the time of death. Wow. So when I was doing a lot of my research, they were saying a lot of these prescription drugs do have a very big effect on kids that are under 18, more so than the kids that were over 18. Okay. But then you have Adam Lazen in December... Adam Lanza. Lanza, sorry. And in December 14th of 2012, Adam is 20 years old, fatally shot 20 kids and six adult staff members at the Sadie Hook Elementary School prior to driving to the school... Adam shot and killed his mother at their Newton home. As first responders arrived at the scene, Adam shot himself in the head. Kathleen uh, Koenig. Koenig. A, Koenig, a nurse specialist in psychiatry uh, at the Yale Child Study Center, the best place Adam was treated, the or the, la the last place Adam was treated, had noted that Adam's behavior while on... Uh, Lexapro, which I think is like another derivative of Prozac. It's an antidepressant. It's an SSRI. SSRI. Yeah. Nancy reported on the third morning he completed 
or complained of dizziness by that afternoon he was disoriented his speech was disjointed and he couldn't even figure out how to open his cereal box he was sweating profusely it was actually dripping off his hands and he had said to her he couldn't think he was practically in vegetation state adam stopped taking lexapro and had never took uh, uh psychotropic medication thank you again which worried Coging, coging, coding. So basically, he's like, "This kid's already fucked up. That one didn't work, and now he refuses, and he needs to take something." Yeah. So with them, and I'm bringing those two up because uh, Jose Reyes, he was 12 years old, and he just went crazy one day because Prozac, as well as Adam, he was 20 years old, and he had been taking it for a lot longer. And look at what happened with him. He was practically vegetable. 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 So I mean, when I was doing my case... Or, yeah, he wasn't a vegetable when he was no. fucking shooting those 20 children in the fucking face, but yeah. No, but it, he probably was on it for a while, because it said that he had been going for a long time, that that was the last place that he was treated at. That is just... I feel like that is partially the system failing, and partially somebody just being fucking yeah. insane. So when I started my case, I really got into it, and I you know wanted to see effects of SSRIs on adolescents and adults. Yeah. And I mean, I I couldn't... Obviously, this could have been like a four-hour podcast because there's so much (laughs) shit to go over. So I'm sorry if I was all over the place, but I think I did good. No, I'm glad... (laughs) You did good. You did good. did good. I'm glad that you went that direction. That's a different kind of drug, but nonetheless still a drug. So I'm really glad that you touched on pharmaceuticals and that kind of thing. Um, All right, folks, we're going to let you go and go to bed. But please, please, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. If you have any personal stories that you want to share with us, we will tell them on air or even some words of encouragement or if you think that we should change something email us at booze bs and true crime at gmail.com that's booze b as in boy s as in sam a and d true crime at gmail.com all right guys okay bye okay bye